This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. I promise you guys that if you have an idea or a topic that you want to hear, I'll make an episode out of it. So true to my word, uh, John out in Chino, California, a listener. So, hey, John, if you're listening to this, reached out to me and had a couple really good questions. A couple of them I answered, but there's a couple where I said, John, I'm not going to give you that answer. I'm actually do a full episode on it because it's probably a little bit too much to type. The main one that I promised to make an episode on was surrounding how to track non-paid work, right? So warranty, shop damages, shop vehicles, maybe personal vehicles, and not only in your shop management software, but also in QuickBooks as well. That's exactly what we're going to get into this week. But before I get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Your techs don't want to stand around while you type in details for an RO. With Shopware, an RO gets set up in seconds instead of minutes, and everyone gets on with their day. It's that easy. GetShopware.com. In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com. So, When John brought up this question, I was kind of surprised that I hadn't done an episode on this in the past. And this is episode, it's kind of crazy to think, but this is episode 45. So every once in a while I think of something, I'm like, man, have I done that before? And sometimes I have, and other times I'm like, man, I I haven't. And I was really surprised because I'm sure I've mentioned bits and pieces of this along the way in different episodes that kind of tie into this. But this topic gets a ton of questions, not only to me directly, But I see it come up in different shop owners group, uh, different shop management software groups on Facebook and stuff like that. Now, you might be asking, Hunt, why you're going through all this? I don't know. I just like to look at this kind of stuff. And also, a lot of times when people ask things like this, you know, I actually have good knowledge to impart on this. Not only, you know, is this what I do every single day, but I also talk to tons and tons of shops and have learned a lot along the way, right? You know, some of the stuff that we talk about or that I talk about, but some of the stuff that we preach as a company, some of it is our own, you know, knowledge and understanding. Hey, this is the right way to do it. Other things is, you know, we've come up with an idea or seen stuff over the years and then had shops or different clients actually improve that process. And so some of these things, we're going to kind of go into a different areas of this of, hey, here's how to do it. And a couple aspects, little tips and tricks and what has helped out other people. Um, I always preach this, right? You know, at the end of the day, pretty much everyone listening to this, right? If you have a shop, you're selling parts and labor. Everyone's shop is a little bit different, right? What kind of stuff do you guys work on? What is customary? What is not customary? How do you pay your people? When I'm going down through this, this is not the end all be all. This is not the only way to do these things. It's my preferred method. Is it okay to you know stray off? Sure, right. If you understand what this is doing, you want to do it slightly differently. That's fine. This is not you know meant to be uh, the end all be all or all encompassing. There is always going to be kind of unintended consequences, some good, some bad. So to start off, what goes into our shop management software and what doesn't? Warranty work. Do we put that in there? Do we not? Loaner cars, right? Do we put a ticket for them or do we not run a ticket? personal cars or shop vehicles or customer damage, right? And so this is the big question a lot of, hey, should I put this in there? Should I not put this in there? You know, does that really need to go in there? 
At the end of the day, what I tell people is if you are buying parts for something, right? And I mean parts when you're going to your regular parts vendors and stuff like that, it goes into your shop management software just like any other job. But why? First thing is consistency. Unless you're a one-man show, you probably have someone else that is also entering information into your shop management software. A lot of you listening probably have eight, 10 people entering information to your shop management software. So the first thing I always preach about is consistency. Hey, we always talk about process and procedures. Just last week, you know, Frank is a huge process and procedure guy, and this is very important, right? We don't want to have, you know, kind of a core idea of, hey, this is how we do most things, but then if this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do that. You know, unless this is all written down and there is a deliberate variation from the process and procedure, then let's make sure it's consistent, make sure we put it all in there. Now, we go into kind of some of these different ideas. You'll see why this is important. I also want to see the true cost of something. I want that to slap me in the face. I want it to be apparent. And if you're not putting into your shop management software, you're not looking at your true cost, right? I don't want to get too far ahead here because, you know, it doesn't make sense, you know, kind of based on what we're talking about this week. But if you, let's say that you replace a $8 spark plug, right? Weird situation. You never replace one. Something happens. You said, hey, you know what? I'm going to replace this $8 spark plug. Does that really cost you $8? No, because you're going to pay a technician at least an hour to do this. Maybe other things have to go along with it. And then there's a lot of other costs that if you're just buying an $8 spark plug, you will never even see this. It won't even be a blip on your radar. However, if you saw what that true job actually cost you, then you might feel a little bit differently. The last thing on here is a check and balance. We use a shop management software. We compare it to QuickBooks. We compare parts margin. We compare all kinds of margins. But specifically for why we always put stuff into the shop management software is verifying our parts cost and our parts gross profit. If we're looking at QuickBooks and QuickBooks has a much higher number than your shop management software, that should immediately be a red flag. Well, hey, why did I buy more parts than I thought that I bought? Now, if you're running your shop vehicle, your race car, you got warranty work going down through there, uh, you got loaner car work that you're just running through just at cost, right? Just putting the parts through there then there's always going to be a variable, right? In the back of your mind, if you say, hey, I'm off three grand, you know what? It must have been my race car. It must have been that loaner car. I didn't think I spent that much, but that has to be the reason. Now we have variables in here. Now you're never going to be able to kind of analyze that, you know, as apples to apples because there's always going to be some variance there, right? So if we are doing this the ways I'm going to talk about here in a second, those variables are gone, right? We don't have to worry about them and we can truly use our shop management software as a check and balance for our actual financials. I never even really thought about this aspect of it. And I know we're going to kind of get into the warranty work and stuff like that here right after this. But one of the things that John asked me is he goes, hey, my ticket, my open ticket screen kind of looks like a mess. You know, I won't really get into how they were doing stuff. I'm not sure if you even told me. But I think a lot of their warranty work, a lot of their in-house work, a lot of their non-paid work and stuff like that um, just sits out there. So if you look at their work and process screen, there's so many different things. And he says over the years, they've actually had people that have they haven't charged or they forgot to get payment from because it was kind of uh, skewed a little bit because it was really hard to see who actually owes them money and which one of these tickets were still open for another reason. So just like I talked about you know, before, consistency, right? We want to do the same thing no matter what the occasion is. So close it out, post it to accounts receivable, just like you're doing any other ticket. And we talk about here next, we'll show you how to actually get it out of that AR screen. But as far as posting that stuff, post it when they're done. 
You know, depending on how you pay your technicians, if you pay them for warranty work, if you pay them for loaner car work or shop vehicle, you should be paying them for loaner car and shop vehicle, right? They didn't drive it. They didn't break it. Now they're fixing it. Warranty work can be a little bit tricky depending on if it's their fault or the vendor's fault and stuff like that. But if you're going to be paying people flat rate, close it out when they're done this work, right? They need to get credit for it. Also, you want that to post in the correct category when you're doing these other things later. Now, if you're going to do this, you know, this internal ticket closeout for used vehicles, like used vehicle reconditioning, um, like let's say that you get cars and fix them up and sell them on the side, whether a customer drops it off or even get them at the auction. I have another option about when to close those out and stuff like that, uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, so let's talk about probably what the most common scenario that we hear a lot, which is going to be warranty work. And when we're talking about warranty work here, really this applies for warranty work as in, hey, you bought a part from a vendor, um, they're going to warranty that part, pay it full parts and labor as reimbursement. Or if this is warranty work as in you guys are providing the warranty, you put on something, your technician messed something up. It doesn't really matter. In this example, going to kind of tell you how to do this and it's going to encompass all of those different things. So first things first, let's, how do we build that ticket? What do we put in that ticket? Do we put discounts on it? Do we do zero cost? Do we discount it off? No, we don't, right? So we're going to run this ticket at full retail, just like we would for anything else. The reason is, is because I want to see the true cost of this warranty work. You know, if I'm getting reimbursed for it, then I want to get reimbursed whatever I would charge someone else. How am I going to prove that to my vendor if I don't have a ticket for it? If it's a technician screw up issue, right? Like, hey, they broke something, put it on there. Again, I want to see the true cost of what it should have went out for, not actually what I ended up spending or didn't spend on it. So some of you might be thinking on this of, Hunt, why am I going to put something like that out at full retail, right? Obviously, it didn't really cost me that much money. That's what I should have been making from another customer. And here's where you're wrong. And so the idea of another reason of why we want to do this at full retail is while that might not actually be your cost, right? If you have a $400 ticket that you write off, it's going to look like $400 in expense for warranty work. And you're going to say, well, that didn't actually cost me $400 because I only paid my technician 25 bucks for the one hour he did. And then I actually had that part already. So it didn't cost me anything else. But what you're not factoring in is you're not factoring in the opportunity cost here. And opportunity cost is by doing this non-paid work, you were essentially minimizing the amount of time or reducing the amount of time that technician had to do full retail work. So in a perfect world, if you said, hey, I had this technician working on a loaner car for eight hours. I want to see the true cost because, yeah, I only paid the guy, let's say, $300 for that day, but it maybe cost me thousands of dollars because if I didn't have him working on my loaner cars and I had him working on a customer vehicle, I would have made 10 times that you know, just in regular retail sales. And this is something when you, people start looking at the true cost of their loaner cars, this is when a lot of people say, you know what? Having that cheap loaner car that I'm always having to kind of fix up and do some maintenance on and stuff like that, once you start looking at the opportunity cost, doesn't look that cheap, right? And that's why a lot of my clients go out and you know lease or buy you know pretty new or brand new loaner cars. Nothing fancy, right? I always say Corollas and Jettas are probably the two most popular, um, you know. And a lot of people only keep them for three to five years. Hey, once they start to become issues, I take them out of the fleet and go get another one because I just want those to. You know, take my customers, come back, you know, yeah, we're going to change oil. Yeah, we're going to put some tires on it. 
but they don't want something that's going to be clogging up their bays and reducing their capacity. As much as you love the shop routine that you have now, I'll tell you that switching to a cloud-based shop management system will pay off in more ways than you can imagine. Not only will you let go of bad habits that are costing you money, you'll free up more time for your techs to fix more cars. Your quotes will be quicker and more accurate, and you'll make more money per part than you ever did before. We all know that time is money. When you streamline your day, you waste less time on repetitive brain drains. Start fresh by going to your favorite browser and looking up GetShopware.com. The orange Book a Demo button will set you on a journey for more profit and less stress. You'll never look back. Check it out at GetShopware.com. In today's world, managing the labor side of your business is more important than ever. Utilizing their industry-leading software, Labor Profit Management, Repair Shop of Tomorrow can help shops maximize their profits by developing a specific plan for each client. Do you know what your effective labor rate is? Do you know your technician's efficiency and productivity? Do you know how much profit dollars each technician is adding to the bottom line? If the answer is no, then this Napa Auto Care endorsed program from Repair Shop of Tomorrow is the program for you. Developed for shop owners by shop owners, this program will help you become more profitable on day one. Utilizing their unique labor management systems will allow you to work smarter, not harder. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. Another reason why we're doing this at full retail is it doesn't skew margins. And what I mean by that is this. So let's kind of give you two different examples. Let's say that you did your warranty work at full retail or you did your warranty work at a reduced rate or maybe, you know, cost. If you're putting this to a shop management software and you do your warranty work at full retail, it's not going to mess with your margins whatsoever, right? Because you're going to use your same labor matrix, your same parts matrix. It's going to mark up that ticket just like anything else. Not going to mess with anything whatsoever. However, if you're doing your warranty work at, you know, cost or 50% discount or something like that, when you run your end of day report or you analyze your margins on it, that's going to pull down your actual gross profit. Now, if you only do one of these and you have 400 cars a month, then yeah, it's not going to pull it down a material amount. But if you have a week or a day when you have a couple of them, it's really going to start to look strange. And again, just like we were talking about the check and balance here, if I have this that's pulling down my margins and I look at this and I say, hey, Mr. Service Advisor, why did we only sell you know the average of all these tickets at 44% gross profit? And I say, oh, remember we had those three warranty jobs in there. Again, it's going to be very hard to tell, you know, if that was actually the core issue without doing a lot more work. Long and short of this, do the tickets at full retail, close them out and, you know, post it to AR when you are done. This warranty work is looking exactly like a customer ticket so far up to this point. We're going to do it at full retail. Whenever we are done the job, we are going to post it to accounts receivable just like we would on a customer car. Now, here's where it gets different. And there's a couple of different you know, strategies here, depending on how your parts house or who's paying for this or if anyone's paying it at all. So if you are getting reimbursed the full amount, then what I do is I recommend to leave that open in accounts receivable, just like you would for any other customers. You know, I don't know what an example would be, but I got a $2,000 ticket and it's a warranty job on it. And someone's going to be sending me a check for that two grand. So I'm going to leave that alone and I'm going to have it just like any customer. When that $2,000 check came in, I'm going to post it into my shop management software, post it into my bank account, just like that was a check from any other customer. 
Now let's go with the other extreme. Maybe this was something that was not covered under warranty or this was an actual in-house screw up or something like that. So now that this is sitting in accounts receivable, I need to get it out of accounts receivable because just like I don't want my work and process screen clogged up, I don't want my AR screen clogged up either, right? So if I know I'm never gonna get paid off of it because it was something that we screwed up and no one's there to foot the bill for that, then I need to pay that off, but I don't want to pay tax on this ticket so how do we do that? So what we will do here is we actually, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, but we're actually going to quote unquote pay this off with a credit card. And the credit card is going to be something that I set up in my shop management software. Now, depending on if you're on Mitchell, Shopware, Techmetric, whoever it might be, you can go in there and you can create a credit card or create an other payment type. And so what I recommend to do and what a lot of people do is they go in and they create a credit card or other payment type called warranty work. And so what happens is if you have that $2,000 ticket that no one's going to pay you on, it's now sitting in accounts receivable, go in, click receive payment. When they ask what payment type, you're going to say the warranty work credit card, click on that, pay it, and you're done. What's going to happen here is that $2,000 ticket is going to show us $2,000 in sales. But that $2,000 charge is actually going to go to a warranty expense for $2,000 as well. So if you see you have 2000 in sales, you have 2000 in warranty expense, those two cancel each other out. Now, what is left over is the money that you paid your technician and also whatever you spent on the parts that had to go on that car. So by running this ticket at full retail, you still aren't paying tax on this, right? That's what everyone gets concerned. Well, if I'm inflating my sales, I'm paying tax on that. No, two minus two or 2000 minus 2000 is zero. It's the same as if you did nothing and just ran it through as a zero ticket. But obviously now we're not messing up the margins and the other, all the other benefits that I talked about. If you're doing this manually, meaning that you don't use any sort of import like back office or accounting link. Now, when this comes over, generally what happens is you have a sale, which is a credit, and then the debit is a deposit, right? So the debit is either you know a check or credit card, which is going to go into your bank. But for something like this, it's going to show that we got paid. Again, I'm doing air quotes here, but we didn't actually get paid. So instead of debiting my bank account for that, I'm going to debit warranty expense. Now, if you are using back office or accounting link or something like that, you can actually go in there and you can actually map this credit card so that it already goes directly to warranty expense. So if you don't know how to do this, all you need to do is you need to go into your configuration for accounting link and you'll actually see a section that says payment types or credit cards. I can't remember off the top of my head. And you'll see all these different credit cards set up in there. Visa, MasterCard, you know, Snap Finance, whatever you're already taking here. If you haven't added the warranty credit card in there yet, it's not going to show up in your back office. But once it's in there, all you need to do is, you know, when you set up warranty credit card, it's not going to have an account in accounting link until you select one. Just go in there and create something called warranty expense. And then automatically when you close out these tickets with a click of the button, it's going to post the sales, going to maintain our margins and automatically put to that expense category. Now, one thing that I have been asked here is, well, what happens if I'm getting paid, right? Let's say Napa is going to pay us, but Napa doesn't usually send out a check for warranty work. What they do is they give you a credit on your end of month statement. What you need to do in a situation like this is you need to actually apply that credit to the correct category. 
And so let's say in this example, we'll use that same $2,000 figure. So you would go through this exact process the exact same way, right? And so right now, if you know we got to this point, we would have $2,000 in our warranty expense category. And so if we are actually getting a credit from our parts house for that same $2,000, the only thing that you need to do differently is this. So right now, when you're getting that credit for anything else, cores, stuff like that, you're probably posting that credit right back to parts cost of goods sold. However, this credit is not for parts cost of goods sold. This credit is actually for your warranty. And so you'd actually post this credit to warranty expense. So that would actually go to warranty expense. And what that would look like is you would have $2,000 there as an expense. Once you post that $2,000 credit, it actually wipes it out. And now your warranty expense is zero. It makes sense, right? Hey, before we got paid anything, that warranty work cost us two grand. However, Napa reimbursed us for the entire amount. Now our warranty expense is actually zero and we got paid just like any other normal job. Best case scenario, a lot of times you don't get paid the full amount. It's going to kind of be a mixture of both. Hey, I closed this ticket out for two grand. You know, my parts house reimbursed me 750 bucks. So it still cost me $1,250 to do this warranty, but it didn't cost me the full two grand. So that's how you do warranty work, whether it's a customer issue, whether it's a parts house issue, whether you're getting reimbursed, not reimbursed for it, that should kind of cover all the bases. So I wanna go into a couple different scenarios here to talk about how it works for these. Another one is gonna be shop vehicle, right? Whether this is a parts truck, whether this is the owner shop vehicle, whether this is a loaner car, all of the steps are going to be the same exact as above. So we're going to run the ticket at full retail. We're going to close it out and post it to AR when we're done, just like any other ticket. Again, for whatever reason, if we're waiting on payment from this one, then fine, you can leave it in AR. But if it's a shop vehicle, you know, personal vehicle, shop owner vehicle, loaner car, it's all going to be exactly the same. Now, where this gets different is when we're posting this as an expense. So again, we're gonna do you know a credit card just like we had done for the warranty expense, but instead of going to warranty expense, we're gonna put this to automobile expense. If this is a loaner car and you track loaner car repairs separately, then it would go to loaner car expense as well. Now, there's a couple of different ways that you can do this specific thing, right? And so some of my clients just have one credit card and they call it in-house work. It's their code for whatever reason they're not getting paid on it. And then what they use that for is they use that for a number of different situations. And when that comes over, then they allocate that expense to the correct category. Hey, this was warranty. Hey, this was auto expense. Hey, this was loaner car expense. However, a lot of these shop management software, you can set up a ton of different credit cards. And so a lot of people, instead of having to add that extra step of manually assigning that, they just set up multiple credit cards. Hey, I'm going to call one shop vehicle. I'm going to call another one uh, warranty expense. I'm going to call another one loaner car. I'm going to call another one, you know, technician screw up or something like that. That way you're segmenting out all these different reasons that allows you to track it to see what's going on and see how much each of these things is costing you. But it also allows you to map these to the correct categories and ultimately saves you time. Again, you know, the reason why we're doing a shop vehicle loaner car at full retail is just the same for warranty work. I want to see what this is truly costing me. And I want to make sure I don't have variables in my financial statements. Another one that comes up a good bit as well is bartering, right? And I just actually talked to a client about it this last week. And a lot of people are really confused on how to do this. You know, the most common one is generally either like someone doing landscaping or someone doing like repairs around their shop. 
And so the one I was talking to uh, last week was he was bartering with his plumber. And bartering is 100% legal, right? So instead of you invoicing them five grand and then them paying, and then they are going to in you invoice you five grand for work, you essentially just say, hey, let's swap, right? Hey, I'll do this engine. You give me a new water heater and we'll call it even. And that's really exactly what happened for my client. And so what we did in his is the same thing. Just again, that expense category is different. So doing it full retail, closing out when the work is done. Now we have this ticket sitting there for Mr. Plumber, but we know Mr. Plumber is not going to pay this. So we're going to pay it off with an internal credit card that comes over to QuickBooks. And we are going to classify this as repairs, right? Because we're bartering for a repair. So that's where the expense is going to go. And now what we're going to have is we're going to have a $5,000 expense in there, right? And so essentially you can see it looked just like we skipped all those steps. If this person had actually paid a $5,000 ticket, we would have the sale in there with the cost associated. And then if we turned around and we paid them a check for $5,000 for this plumbing work, we would have that expense already. This just kind of you know skips all of those steps and just puts it in there all at once. Now, that's where you'd put it if you're bartering for repairs, if you're bartering for, I don't know, advertising, then obviously the expense would be advertising. If you're bartering for maybe rent, right? Every once in a while I see that. Hey, you know what? I need my car fixed. The landlord's going to give you a credit on next month rent if you fix their car. Same exact way as above. Instead of going to repairs or advertising, it goes to rent. One thing here that I want to mention that is, I guess, somewhat related to it. I actually paused when I was recording this episode and had to add this note in because it came to my mind. But it also makes sense since we're close to the end of the year is bad debt. What happens if you have a customer that is not going to pay you? And I get asked this a lot, not about, hey, how do I get money from these people? But hey, how do I actually code this in my shop management software and in QuickBooks so I'm not paying tax on this stuff? So what we recommend to do is to set up another credit card, right? You guys are going through your head thinking, man, I'm going to have 85 different credit cards in here. But I'm going to set up a credit card called bad debt. And if I have someone that is not going to pay me, I'm actually going to pay that invoice with that uh, credit card called bad debt. Now, you can probably imagine where this next step goes. When that comes over to QuickBooks, that's going to go as bad debt expense, right? So we're going to get the write-off for it. We're not going to pay tax on that ticket that no one is ever going to pay us for. Now, the reason why I like to see or I like to do the bad debt, you know, is just like we were talking about before, you know, reducing variables, making sure we're getting an accurate cost. But it was also to show the track record here. I have some people that instead of writing this stuff off, they just zero out these tickets. I don't know how much I was shorted on this, right? If you just zero out this ticket or delete it completely, then that customer is no longer in my database, you know? So if something comes up on that work for whatever reason, or let's say that customer wants to come back, I want to be able to see what I did for that customer and how much I wrote off. Because if I wrote off a $4,000 ticket for a customer and he walks in the door two years later and I have a new service advisor, someone that doesn't recognize them, and you've deleted that ticket off there completely, then they might have no idea that that person is you know, actually you know, stiffed you and is no longer welcome there. Another reason is what if you have to take this person to court, right? You know, and, and try and get money from them. If you delete it off the ticket and you forgot to print it, it's going to be hard to recreate it. Then what happens if you recreate it for a different amount? A lot of bad things happen. So if you use that internal credit card for warranty work, none of these issues come up. It's very slick and easy. And again, if you're using back office and accounting link on there, you can map that bad debt credit card right to bad debt expense 
and make end-of-year write-offs or really anytime write-offs a breeze. Now, hopefully it doesn't happen that much. You know, we don't see a ton of bad debt, but realistically it's going to happen. You know, you just never know. People are scummy. People are going to steal. People are going to lie. It happens and that's the proper way to do it. Or I shouldn't say proper, right? That's kind of shows some hubris on my side. I think that's the best way to do it. Is that the only way to do it? No, it's quick, easy. It works, checks all the boxes, but use that information as you please. The last one that I wanted to talk about, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but it's something that kind of came up from one of my clients and it has to do with used car reconditioning. And so my customer that um, does used car sales, he does it on the side and, and very kind of on a smaller scale, right? His bread and butter is his repair shop, as is for most people that don't do you know, used car sales. But deals come along the way. Hey, you know what? I had a customer that didn't want to pay to fix this. We're going to buy it back. We're going to fix it up and we're going to turn around and sell it. We're going to do it the same exact way as we've done it before. We're going to do it at full retail. Now, let's stop and say why we're doing this at full retail, because on used car, this is a little bit weird. If we do not do our used car at full retail, then again, we're not accounting for the opportunity cost of my technicians working on that vehicle. If you're doing it for cost or if you're doing it for a reduced rate, you're understating what it's actually costing you because that technician could have been on you know, retail customer work, but instead they were working on that used car. So we do this at full retail. Now, if you're doing the math and you're doing the stuff at cost, it could kind of completely change your mindset on those used cars. Because if you're selling used cars and you only have your cost into them, then it could like look like you're making a bunch of money on selling these used cars. However, if you start to do these at full retail, you might notice that maybe you're not truly making any money on the used cars or it's a lot less than what you were showing before at least. So what a lot of my clients do is, is they look at that as, hey, you know what? This is filler work, right? I want to do it at full retail, but I'm mindful that this is taking my technicians away from doing client work. Ultimately, if this is filler work, I want to be able to at least cover my cost, my true cost when I sell this you know, used car. Yeah, maybe I'm not making three grand off of it, but I'm making a couple hundred or a thousand bucks and I got my technician paid and the shop paid at full retail. So everyone wins. We're going to do this just like we did before. And then, you know, again, the only difference is, is where that expense goes. And so in this category, once we close out a ticket, run it through AR, pay it off with that credit card, it's going to go to either used car cost of goods sold or inventory, depending on how you have this stuff set up. Now, one of the things here that gets a little bit different is you can be a little bit selective on when you close this out. And I'll tell you why. And this was a cool idea that one of my clients gave me. What he does on this is he leaves a ticket open for all of his used cars. So he does not close these tickets out until the car is sold. The reason is, is because let's say he has to add something onto that, right? Let's say that he had it for two months and then he took it on a test drive and it ended up needing plugs that he didn't put in there before. He wants to leave that ticket open to be able to put that in there. Also, he wants to leave that ticket open so that it's very obvious what cars he still has on the lot. Hey, I got stock number 553, 554, 555, and 556. Still open, meaning I have them out in the lot. Again, a check and balance there. Whoa, why is this ticket still open? That car is already sold or vice versa on this one. The last one on here too is also to be able to make sure that he's making enough money on this stuff. He knows how much he bought that car for, but it might not be front of mind of how much he's spent on this car, especially if he's had it for a little while. 
And so what this allows him to do is if he's listing a car for 10 grand and someone comes up and says, hey, will you take nine grand for it? He can quickly pull up a shop management software and say, hey, you know what? I paid three for it. I have 5,000 in additional work into it. I'm into it eight grand, but that's at full retail. If I sell it for nine, I'm still clearing a thousand bucks. Okay, I am good with that. So for used cars, I have a lot of people that don't close it out until you know they actually sell it. Because what happens if you close it out on the day that you actually sell it, then that's the day that it's going to post this ticket over into cost of goods sold, into the expense category, and match up with the sale of it as well. So that's going to be the cleanest on it. Now, if you didn't really follow that last part, maybe you don't sell that many used cars, or maybe it's not applicable to you. But go back and listen to that first part again about how I was talking about where this hits and how this closes out. And, you know, you might understand of why we can delay this a little bit or how that will kind of affect your numbers if you strategically close this out at a certain point. End of the day, though, you have to close out at some point. Uh, The very last day that you could do that is when you sell the vehicle. If you do all of this stuff correctly, right, not only to use car reconditioning, the internal work, all of that. We're going to essentially eliminate all of your variables from your parts cost of goods sold. There was not going to be any reason of why the parts cost in QuickBooks does not match up with the parts cost in your shop management software. If you do find a reason of why it is, then you probably have another thing or another procedure to implement to get rid of that variable as well. But this should pretty much cover almost any other weird things going on. If not, you will always have a variable and you will always be wondering, well, why is it different? Also, you will know the true cost of what you're doing. How much is that warranty? How much is that comeback work actually costing you? How much is that old piece of junk loaner car actually costing to keep you on the road? You know, even if you don't factor in your annoyance and frustration of having to go pick up a customer that broke down in your loaner car. Also, you're going to have a repeatable process so that your whole team is on the same page and nothing slips through the cracks. No leaving these tickets open, no leaving them posted in the work and process screen, no leaving them open in the accounts receivable screen, whether it's an internal work or bad debt. We're going to be able to clean this stuff up so that we're only looking at real, true work in there. And none of this junk is going to kind of muddy that water. So last note on here uh, that I want to give out you know, before we wrap it up this week is a really cool idea for some of you thinking, well, hey, you know what, Hunt? By doing this at full retail, this is really going to skew the metrics that I either pay my service advisor, judge my service advisor, or general manager off of, right? Because, yeah, it's great that you had $10,000 worth of work you know, in this month, but what if half of that was warranty work that you didn't actually get paid off of? You need to be aware of that and you need to have some way to easily measure this. And so what a lot of my clients do, and this depends on what shop management software, because supposedly it's possible in some, not possible in others. But I have some people that run weird tickets like this down through a different service advisor. So whether you call that service advisor Joe Smith, you know, whatever you want to call it, any of these warranty or in-house or reconditioning stuff, you can run it through a different service advisor, right? One that is not normally writing service on it. That way you can actually you know, get a report that shows your true sales with your regular service advisor selling. And then you'll see this other random service advisor that has some sales going through it as well. We're going to know that that random service advisor is probably unpaid work or a weird situation So it's going to allow us to analyze our true cost and our true sales from our regular service advisors and be able to segment that other work off separately. Again, when you look at the big picture and you look at the entire month, it's all going to be in there. But that little tidbit of being able to tag that to a different service advisor 
if possible in your shop management software gives you just that extra level of detail if you want to be able to kind of look at this as paid work versus unpaid work. I hope this was informative to you and specifically to you, John. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. Uh, Please share this with friends. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. So I just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.